The reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. This is the word of the Lord. Just as we stand, why don't we pray? Uh, Those words, come and behold him. Father, we pray by your Spirit, you you would enable us to do that now, to hear you speaking to us through your word, we pray. Amen. Do take a seat. Uh, it's very nice to be with you. Um, my name is uh, Paul. If we've not uh, met before, it's great to see you um, and uh, have you with us. If you want to, we're, we're looking at that passage, um, and so you might, if you haven't got access to a Bible, do fire up on your phone, Bible Gateway, and plug in uh, two, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll, um, uh, we'll look at it together. Um, and as I say, welcome. If you don't know me, I'm the rector here. If you do know me, um, some of you aren't going to listen much to what I say until um, you look at me and kind of go, is Paul actually wearing red? Um, uh, or at least he's not wearing grey. Um, so yes, uh, I am. And if you put that together with last week, you might think I'm 
trying to audition for a Christmas movie, um, which I would very much enjoy doing. So, um, you know, any, any offers, uh, I'll gladly take them. Um, uh, <laughs> that out of the way, we are looking at this passage in 1 Corinthians. And um, last week, if you were with us, I talked about how Paul kind of had his arm around the Corinthians. And he was saying to them, guys, you can do this. You've got God's spirit. You can, uh, you, 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 can, you can judge these things well. You can assess things. God is helping you. He's enabling you. Um, he kind of put his arm around them. This week, I feel a little bit more like his tone is like this picture of this uh, otter parent. Um, and Paul is like this, this parent otter who's kind of got the Corinthians, and they are like this little otter here. And it's as though he's got them by the scruff of the neck and going, well, you're being real babies. Um, guys, come this way with me, uh, as if uh, Paul is saying. He's come back to the main problem that uh, they have been facing, that we've been looking at, their divisions, their tribalism, and their focus on particular leaders that they thought were impressive, that they wanted to follow, that they invested their sort of identity in who they were in. And he's come back to that, and his introductory paragraph, as, as Pete was telling us earlier, it is him saying, you're, you're kind of acting like babies. Um, you're mere infants in Christ. Um, he says, you're, verse 3, you're, you're, um, there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow a Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? He's, he's kind of, is kind of satirical in tone, mocking almost. Um, he had been trying to say to them, look, you, that you can think better than this. You've got God's spirit. You can assess things more wisely. He tried to teach them that. We looked at it last week. But oh my goodness, they are acting like babies, he says. They're jealousy. They're quarreling. The groups they formed and then sort of deciding, well, we're better than you. Or, well, you know, we think we're better than you. And I wonder if you notice that as we've seen through the letter so far, the more they act and think in a superior way, we've got the best leader, we're the best tribe, the more it's a sign of their immaturity in Christ. The more superior they are, the more it's a sign of their immaturity spiritually. But Paul is trying to help them out, and he is trying and to, to, um, uh, to help them think in different ways. So how can they think better as uh, about their leaders? And he gives them two visual pictures. Um, the first that we'll come to in a second, the field that Pete talked about, and then the second, a building, a field and a building. And he gives them two very visual pictures, which I think are quite easy to get your head around, but we'll work through them and have a look. And the first then, this picture of a field, sort of agricultural image, the first thing we're going to think about is that God grows his church. God grows his church. So the image of the field has a planter and a waterer in it. Um, so different people with different jobs. And verse 5, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we're fellow workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. You're God's field. 
So he describes himself, uh, Paul, as the planter, the one who, who began the work, who kind of founded the church. He's the planter. Apollos then is the waterer, which um, in that kind of image must have been the, the person who kind of came in and helped strengthen them and teach them, perhaps teach them more about the scriptures and how they were to live. But Paul is saying they worked together. Um, in verse 8, they have one purpose so they actually had the same aim and the same vision. It wasn't that they were working independently. Planter and waterer uh, were sort of joined up. But they did have different callings from God. They had different jobs, different roles. And that's okay, says Paul. So he says, um, verses uh, 5 and 6 at the beginning, we're servants through whom you came to believe, and the Lord had assigned us each our task. So Paul was a planter because that's the, the, the job that the, God, the Lord had given him. Apollos was a waterer because that's the job that, had given, uh, that God had given him. But underneath all of that, it's God who makes things grow. It's God who brings life. It's God, uh, verse 7, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So they might have had different jobs, different leaders were given different, different roles, but that is just God's calling upon them. It's not about who's better or worse, who's got the more prestigious role or the more prestigious leader. They, they needed to work together. God is the one creating organic growth, making stuff happen underneath. And it's getting that right perspective on what is going on that Paul is trying to get them to think about. In a sense, it's, imagine you've got a, a, a field full of crops, uh, and a plant here, nice healthy looking plants. Imagine the plant and the crops in the field. Some of them got together and went, well, we really, we're really followers of our planter. Um, or some other crops in the field all went, oh no, no, we are, we're much more with our waterer. We're waterer kind of people. It's, it's, it's slightly bonkers, isn't it? It's a bit daft. You, you, they need both. Neither the planter nor the water is actually the one who brings about the, the growth that is happening in them. But that's, that's the kind of position the Corinthians have got themselves into. We follow the waterer. What are you doing? <laughs> you needed a planter. You need a water. You need God making it grow, making you grow um, and bringing about that life in you. And Paul is trying to say that's the perspective that we need uh, on leaders. Yes, they have different jobs. He uses the planter. He uses the water. He may use others as well. But that is the perspective. It's God who grows his church. Then, second, God assesses church leaders. So we move from a field to a building. So in your mind, a building, and particularly with a foundation. Verse 10, by by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. He has in mind an image of a building, And the key thing is that the foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, people either build on that foundation or they don't. 
So when he says, no one uh, should, um, um, sorry, uh, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, uh, verse 10, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. In one sense, he's saying, either you are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ and you are building the church, or you're building something else and you're not building the church, as it happens. There are different materials uh, that people build with, um, he describes, he lists some of them. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. There are different kinds of workmanship, if you like. But the key is whether they are built on that foundation or not. There are different kinds of workmanship. Clearly, some of them are more durable, costly, um, expensive than others are. Some are more flimsy and light. But there is going to be a point, he calls it the day in verse 13, because the day will bring it to light. There is going to be a a point, he's talking about the end of all things, when it will be revealed. And we will see exactly what this kind of work is. And we'll see whether the building has been built on the foundation of Jesus Christ or not. And you have to imagine God is is almost pictured like a, a kind of architect. We have some architects in our um, uh, congregation. Uh, an architect who kind of, the building having been built, comes and inspects what is there. And now there's a process, there's a, a purifying process, a fire he talks about, a, a weathering if you like, a process whereby the building is tested and then the architect comes and looks to see what it is like, what is, what is standing, what was it actually built on. Has it been built with the foundation of Jesus Christ or not? So, again, can you see from from Paul's point of view, talking to the leaders, uh, sorry, to the Corinthians about their leaders, um, as they look at their leaders and they think, oh, this one's better than that one, or this one's better than that one, he's saying, look, you don't need to worry. I will be the judge of them. I haven't sort of disappeared off to one side and I don't know what's happening. I will be the judge of what they're doing. I will be the judge of what is happening. I know exactly what's going on. And at the end, we will see whether it was built on a good foundation. It's very like, in some ways, the parable Jesus uh, told of the two builders. Do you remember the, uh, the two builders? Uh, one who builds on the rock, one who builds on the sand. And Jesus says, the one who builds on the rock is the one who hears my words and puts them into practice. Who builds on the foundation of what I have said. And there is a weathering process and a storm that comes in that instance. And then we will see whether that has happened. And God says, look, I know. I'm the one who assesses my leaders. So you're doing all this measuring up between you about who you think is better or worse. I'm the one who knows that. I'm the one who'll judge that. I have it in hand. In fact, God takes it very seriously. So verses 16 and 17, he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. If anyone, he broadens it out, destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. I know, I care, he says. Now, how do we think this through for ourselves? Um, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians, what does this mean? How do, we, how do we think this through? We've talked about the links over these past few weeks about kind of then and, and now and the times that we're living in. I think this, um, the thing to, to remind ourselves of is that God cares about his church. God cares about his church. And I think that can help us in, in two ways. One is it can help us 
It can help us be clear, and I, I, help, I think it can help us be encouraged as well. It can help us to be clear. Paul is, uh, doesn't mess around, does he? No leader takes God's place. God cares about his church, and no leader takes God's place. Now, I think it's worth being up front, because when we talk about leaders, uh, Manchester is an interesting place, isn't it? I don't think we love leaders a lot of the time. There's quite a sort of spirit in our city. If you've been here a while, you'll know we're, we're not amazing at authority. We don't love leaders necessarily. Um, uh, but we, we do follow leaders if we think we've chosen them. If we think, oh, yes, yeah, they're, they're one of ours. And we'll, we, so we do invest quite, we're, we're quite an interesting place, aren't we? Well, I don't think we love leaders, but we do. When we think we've chosen them, yeah, yeah, yeah we like them. <laughs> You're with me. <laughs> so as we hear this, we've got to see, God is really clear in what he's saying through Paul. No leader takes my place. They've got particular jobs in my field. Uh, that's very clear. But God is saying, I will be the one who will assess them and measure them up. I'll be the one who judges them. And it's pretty sobering, and I have to say, going into uh, thinking about 1 Corinthians and in preparing over these weeks, I, it has been pretty sobering for me as a rector here, as, uh, as a leader for any leader, I think. It's pretty sobering to think God is the one who will measure the kind of work And the question I have had to ask myself is, what am I building on? Am I building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Am I building on his words or not? Paul is very clear to them. No leader takes God's place. But it also, I think, helps us to be encouraged because it also means that God will always protect his church. And I think this can help us, particularly perhaps in the context that we've been in and the things that we've thought about over these past weeks. God will always protect his church. I want to come back, if I can, to um, this podcast, which I talked about a few weeks ago, um, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And I, I, I flagged this up, uh, a podcast, if you haven't come across it, is about a, a church in um, the United States, um, and charts the story of how it was formed around a very, very powerful, um, charismatic, strong leader, uh, and then the rise and then the fall of that church. And I bring that up again and just reference that, because I know a number of folk have then been listening to that, and I've had a number of conversations with people over these past few weeks as they have listened to um, uh, it and processed some of what it's um, uh, been saying. It sparked some very good conversations. Um, and I, I brought it to you a few weeks ago, partly because it allows us to raise some questions, something at a remove, something at a distance. It's kind of happening over in the States. It's charting something there. But it allows us to think, oh, what do we make of that over here? But as we do that, I then just, having come across conversations and reflections that are happening here in the UK about the church and the situation uh, that has been here as well. I came across some words by a chap called Richard England, um, who is a 
church leader um, and in the New Wine Network. Now, that won't necessarily mean everything, uh, anything to all of you, but he's in a, a particular sort of network and group. Uh, again, I use um, him because he's perhaps from a slightly different stream than maybe uh, many are here. Not necessarily so, but, but many, I think. And here is somebody who in the UK, he references that podcast and is processing and thinking about the church here in the UK and what it might mean. So we're coming slightly closer, if you like. And he wrote some words, he posted some words on social media this week, and I'm going to read some of them. He said, in my opinion, the Holy Spirit is speaking very strongly to those in evangelical streams, charismatic and conservative at present, about the abuses that have occurred in our churches and ministries, and what we need to do to reform our systems and practices. There is a revealing going on. The revealing is showing that no one sets out to build an abusive, exploitative environment, but that's the price we become willing to pay for success. That's the price we become willing to pay for success. When we when we attract ourselves to particular leaders because we want things to go well, we think they will bring the success we are after, that's the price we become willing to pay. And then he goes on to say this, on the other side of the pandemic, we must address church health as much as church growth. Now, I read those words and I found myself heartened. I found myself encouraged, heartened in a strange kind of way. God cares about his church. God will always protect his church. And I I think I wasn't sure that we would see the day when we would have conversations like that. Where a conversation that actually is coming to the UK and we're we're starting to talk about some of those things. We're having that kind of conversation. And I think that is something of what God is saying he will do. He cares about his church. It's interesting that in those words he said there is a revealing going on, an unveiling if you like. There is a a revealing process of what is happening. And I think it catches something of what God is saying. I am committed to my church. I know what is happening. I won't just allow, not off to the side, asleep or adrift. I know and I care. Church health as well as church growth. Um, If I can just call back something that I said, uh, if you were with us uh, as part of our annual meeting, which happened earlier in the year, our annual meeting, I raised there uh, some topics and some issues that I thought we were going to need to talk about as a church. Issues of power and of voice and who has it and who doesn't and why and when and how. And they are the kinds of conversations that I think we need to have and I hope we will have going into... 2022, to create uh, an opportunity to speak in those ways. Just one very small example. It's one of the ways, um, not entirely, but it's one of the reasons why we've developed our evening um, uh, events on a Sunday at the moment, if you've come along to any of them. It's just about slightly opening up a space where we can talk about some of these things where we can open some issues and hear some different voices and begin to listen and hear the experience of others 
and what it might mean for us as a church. But do you see, the way Paul is framing this, God cares about his church. He will assess its leaders. It's not something to panic over. It is, in one sense, something to be encouraged in, to be heartened by. God knows what he's doing. He has his church. Jesus won't let go of his church. He's committed to it. And he will protect his church. And the encouragement is that God knows that. Jesus Christ is our foundation. And as long as we look to him and build on him, we know we'll be with and where God wants us to be.